We them guys, let me bring you on the block. This the movie, Red Box. We don't like the Red Sox. Fire hydrants on blast when the town get hot. Drink tequila by the ounce at the hookah spot. If you ain't from here, you cannot survive here. But you with the crew, so you can come disguise here. Step up in our shoes, let us give you the news. And tell you all the things that others who scared to. My city worldwide, so how can I fear you? We wasn't raised on the sick code, I'ma spare you. This is not a scene that you can compare to. You might as well soak it all in while you here, dude. Cause this is the birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. I said, birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. And that's from the Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with. Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. Welcome everyone to our little bonus episode. Hola Dom. Hi, how are you? I'm trying to keep warm. Mm-hmm. As well, not everyone knows, but <laughs> We are recording this episode on Sunday night, which is January the 20th, and it's supposed to be getting colder as the night goes on. Yeah. So I already got an extra blanket out. I have my fuzzy socks on. I'm ready. I'm ready to keep warm throughout the night. And really, like, I want to highlight... even though highlights we usually leave to the end, but I want to quickly highlight all of those people that have to work outdoors, that do like deliveries, anything like that, even like cops that have to be outdoors right now because it is brutal out there. I know. I, as you were saying that, well, I actually thought about this a little bit earlier, but I was like, I, my heart really goes out to like a little homeless people who probably don't have um, access to shelters because they're probably um, overcrowded. Yeah. Over, like, overcrowded or at maximum and just like don't have resources. It's like, this is so, so brutal. Cause I'm thinking like, I'm thinking I was complaining earlier, but I was only outside just a little bit and only because I wanted to be like I had there was no necessity for me to be outside and like I have a roof over my head and I have like really excellent heating um, system so I know I can like crank that thing up to like 81 and sleep really peacefully at night and it's like very important for me to keep like that perspective that like you know I am pampered compared to there are people who have apartments and don't even have heat yes you know what I'm saying so like it is really really rough out there and you know what I'm blaming climate change and capitalism so (laughs) okay (laughs) we already know who I'm gonna be blaming (laughs) we do um but yeah no you are so right big shout outs to people who like really have no other choice but to be outside yeah like tip if you are getting any delivery tip tip well yes really tip well like it's so brutal outside I um it's like brutal outside to like walk and you know be um you're like outside for more than 15 minutes but like 
riding a bike or driving a car. At least I know um, in some places, some parts of New York, um, there's like really bad um, black ice from where places like where any there's any seepage or like the snow is melting. And that's an extra, like, that's an added danger. So, like, we have people on bikes, like, delivering you your tacos and then skating all over the place. You know? It's just, ugh. Mother Nature, man, calm down. Stay warm, everyone. Yeah, stay warm. Oh, yeah, this feels so, so good. So we're going to quickly jump into this little episode that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that by now, a lot of people have seen both documentaries about Fire Festival. Mm-hmm. One is on Hulu and the other one is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, I think we are going to be spoiling it. So, you know, just FYI, if you haven't, maybe you want to wait until you have watched those two documentaries before listening to our episode. Yeah. Excellent spoiling. So, mm-hmm. I want to say that I watched these documentaries because you told me them. Absolutely. Like most of the TV that I watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, had a, we had our friend, Peggy. Shout outs to Peggy. Who was like, Karen, you should watch the show. I was like, don't even worry about it. I already told her. I already told her. It's on the list. <laughs> yes, Anything that someone suggested to Karen that's like I think mostly like more narrative either it's like drama or a comedy I've suggested it yep it's Um, true I think I've suggested reality shows here and there um but I'm not I haven't like I don't like you watch Instant Hotel and Marie Kondo Mm -hmm. things like that and like I know I'm like, I'm not even a big HGTV person. So like those things aren't really on my radar. So those things, I wouldn't know what to suggest to you. But anything else, I'm like this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and then this, (laughs) and then follow it up with this and add a little sprinkle of this one. (laughs) Which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And these two documentaries were just, I don't even know whether I was shocked I in some aspects I could relate to it and in other ones I was pissed off Mm -hmm. I Karen I have a question for you yeah when did you even know about fire festival like when did you like when was the first time I heard of it until the whole disaster was happening right yes (laughs) (laughs) I had no, like, this thing was not even on my radar. I had no clue what a fire festival was at all. And then when everything started falling apart, that's when I'm like, what's going, what is this thing? What's going on? The internet is vast and diverse and, like, there's something on the internet literally for anyone and everyone. Um, but it like that really put it to perspective for me. It's like, wow, like there are certain parts of the internet I have no knowledge of. And like we're it we're millennials, you know what I mean? And like the Hulu documentary did like a really good job, I wanna say, of like contextualizing millennial culture. Just in general, like internet. Yeah, inter- <laughs> how- internet like the the strong influence 
Yeah. That all these celebrities and models have on our yeah. current generation. Exactly. But I'm like, that, although I, I, like, I am part of this generation, I don't know that aspect of the same people who occupy my generation. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I do not follow Bella Hadid. I don't follow Ke- Kendall Jenner. Like, I don't follow any of these models. I'm not, like, a big Coachella person. There's a lot of crossover between people who would go to Coachella and people who would go to Fire. Yeah. Like, I am not, like, I don't, that's not my thing. And I'm like, it's so jarring because like they're like stupid millennials. I was like, one, no, don't don't put me in this. Um, but two, it's like, but yeah, they are. Like, how did you not? I don't know. It was just a mess. I, you know <laughs> what? I also think that part of the reason why we didn't hear about it as like the whole excitement was being created mm-hmm. was because even though we basically live. On, on these social media platforms, I feel like there's also levels. Like, we're not a part of that bougie group. <laughs> yeah. We can't afford to spend, like, $25,000 on a music festival on, like, this faraway island. Like, there's no way. So, and like you said, I don't follow Bella or any of these models either. So... I had no clue this was taking place up until I saw those cheese sandwiches on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started, you know, reading into what this whole thing was. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a once in a lifetime experience. They, I do have to say that they did a really good job in terms of promoting this whole event. Mm hmm. They knew how to capture people's attention. Obviously, they used influencers that had a large following. And I think their their whole promotional aspect was good. Mm-hmm. The whole planning aspect of it was such a disaster. And especially with the main guy who was leading it. A mess. And like uh-huh. you said, Hulu really goes into the aspect of, you know, all the promotion that was behind it. Mm-hmm. But Netflix goes into everything that, you know, from like how to how they hired the advertising agency, the people that were going to put together the stage, how they found this island. Like they it really went into the logistics of it. Yeah, and you Normally, logistics on its own without context is boring unless you are the person who ha- who has to like manage or handle all the logistics. But because this story, this narrative is precisely about how badly things went, the logistics are the most fascinating part mm-hmm. for me. Like, yeah. How in any step of this way did no one like say... This is, like, no one even had the authority to, like, pull the plug on this. It, it looked like a big party house. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just at that island ready to party. And I bet they only talked about the whole event for, like, three hours. Then they got wasted, mm-hmm. took photos with models, and they mm-hmm. called it a day. It's like how when we decided, we were having one, like, a really, really great conversation, I think, um, this is way back in the day. Um, we were like talking about all of our things that like we've experienced growing up as first generation American children. And it was like our friend Jenny and Peggy 
and another friend of ours who's um, Caribbean. So it was like Chinese, Caribbean, Mexican, all talking about how we couldn't have sleepovers, despite the fact that, <laughs> despite the fact that we like come from different backgrounds. We all had this like universal like immigrant child experience, and we're like, we need to put this in a podcast. That's literally the same thing. They were just like, oh, we're having such a good time. Let's make a music festival. But they like did not make any next steps to like actualize it. Whereas like, obviously we did because we're awesome. Um, but that's kind of like how I see it as like, we were like so like pumped up and high on our own like concept. We're like, yeah, let's do this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is that, you know, being excited for your own idea and being eager to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you have this cool concept and you want everyone to know about it. But obviously you have to like pause on the excitement and then say like, okay, if I want someone to fully experience it and feel as excited as I am currently feeling, then we have to make sure we take the steps necessary in order to give everyone the best experience. Exactly. And here, clearly, even though they had like, you know, a really good advertising agency and mm -hmm. designers and musicians and models, social media influencers, there was never an organized plan. Nothing. Like this Billy guy would like just wake up and say, oh, I have this idea. Now let's put it together. And even someone in the documentary that was on Netflix, they said, that whenever you plan a music festival, it takes, I, I believe they said, at least 14 months mm -hmm. of preparation. Mm -hmm. This dude wanted to put it up, pull it off in like four months on an island that clearly had no bathrooms. <laughs> no plumbing, no bathrooms, a couple of villas, some kind of like, it was very sparse. And they also booked the festival on the same weekend as, like, a national sporting event. Oh, that's right. I am so, like, oh, the, oh, the audacity of whiteness. Like, I, how? <laughs> but you know what? This, man, this boy, this child, he's, like, what, probably a year older than I am? I he's, think like, so. 25 when this happened, or... You know, he might be actually younger than me because I'm 27, so he might be 26 or at least 27. Whatever, this child walks up and says, I want to start a festival, and no one questions it. And because everyone was, like, brainwashed by him. They thought yes. he was, like, this genius. And, like, everything that he said was just awesome and that he could pull off anything. Which, in some way, I do have to say that he did have some type of skill, I guess, because if people really believed him, it meant that he really knew how to talk. Okay, here's the thing that like is so confusing to me because I want to know what that skill was, what like spell he put <laughs> in people, like what did he like put in people's drinks? Because uh, immediately on the outset, I guess because I've grown up around these kinds of people i've gone to private school i live on the new york new jersey border and he looked he immediately i was like he's either jersey or long island immediately 
I clocked it. And I was like, this guy mm-hmm. is such a dork. Like, he is such a, he's such a, like, rich kids, my sweet teen, I need to be flashy. And, like, yes. his parents are hedge fund managers and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? He's, like, very suburban, very, like, I need to be flashy. And, like, there's no substance to him. And I clocked that immediately. Like, if I met him in person, I would not take him seriously. So I need to understand what, what people were seeing did they never were they never exposed to someone like billy like there's <laughs> thousands of billies in uh the suburbs <laughs> maybe y'all need to expand your horizons get acquainted so you don't get seriously <laughs> and immediately i was like uh you know what was another thing now that you say that like he thinks that he has I guess like this privilege or whatever the mm-hmm. fact that when they first started advertising this whole festival they said come party at a at an island that used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. Mm. Ooh, that was just like in what way or like what goes through your mind when you think this is cool? Like, everyone knows what Pablo Escobar did. So why mm-hmm. would you think that it's so cool to go party on an island that he used to own? Mm-hmm. I just don't see how people can see the cool aspect of it. Or whether you want to think that you're such a badass and then put everything on social media saying like, oh yeah, Pablo Escobar was here, da-da-da, now look at me. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so odd. It, um it's like excess, like a celebration. It, it's this is also something that really annoys me with people like that demographic of people who come from the suburbs. They're always, always, always the ones to be like the biggest. I'm putting air quotes up for because this is an audible medium and not a <laughs> visual visual <laughs> medium. But I'm putting air quotes, and it's like very much, you know, they're the biggest hip-hop heads you know what i'm saying they're the ones who are like the hype beasts they're the ones who always like they like they're like like, of course pablo escobar would be they probably like seen scarface a million times and they grew up so coddled probably if they were ever in like a trap house or close to any kind of like trapping in in any kind of neighborhood they would be the first to lock their doors driving (laughs) past you know what I'm saying yes and I know like I know these people Karen I know these people like Billy these people like I know the type of like privilege private school like upper middle class people who (laughs) who would fall prey to this and then also would probably perpetuate this scam this is something that happens with a few other festivals because something similar happens with Coachella as well. Mm-hmm. Dime. Well, obviously, like the people of Coachella Town obviously can't afford to attend that type of festival. Mm-hmm. And then because all these kids need their clean water and all this bullshit, the people of that town have to suffer in order to like give up the water that they have. Sometimes they don't even have water to like shower. I heard this in an interview from Latino USA. You're right. Because actually that valley, Coachella Valley, and um, I think it's like Colorado River Valley or something. Something like that. It's mm-hmm. a whole river system in the uh, in the West Coast. Um, a lot of it 
some a lot of the water gets redirected to yeah. other places like Hollywood. Um, and there are other places where it's like terrible, like the the water quality, what's so like the water quality, like you can't even drink it. Yep. And then also there is good water, like I said, it goes to Hollywood, but like a lot of it does go to farming too, mm-hmm. like these industrial farms that like are making this is why sometimes I'm like, you know, feel a little bit guilty about almond milk because almonds, oh my God, take up so much water. Like oh, wow. like gallons and gallons of water. And a lot there's all the almond farming is actually in California. So there's like yep. a lot of tension between who's water and like obviously because of the system that we freaking live in all the like the little guy you know the working class always gets shafted like Mm -hmm. people who like water it boggles my mind that people pay for water like that should never be a thing like that is a human right yes clean air to breathe clean water to drink and housing over your head those three things are things that should never be commodified and like yeah, it shouldn't be a luxury. No. No, it shouldn't be a luxury. Going back to this festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do... I felt so bad for the lady that said that she had to dig into her savings mm-hmm. in order to pay the people that were working at her restaurant. Because obviously when everything came crashing... Billy and his whole entire crew escaped. And obviously, here she was, left with people that were asking for their payment. Mm-hmm. And she said that she had to spend at least like $50,000 from her savings to pay people off. I really hope that after that comes out, um, or after people finally really watches, I think it was more in the Netflix documentary than Hulu, which I had a note about. I was like, Hulu didn't talk that much about, like, the cost about going back to the island. And then they really did interview more people on the island and, like, the workers um, in the Netflix one. But not enough. They should have done a lot more, given it a lot more treatment. But, you know, people don't care. Like, that's not the sexy part. Because, mm-hmm. like, the poor islanders is not the sexy part. The sexy part is, like, this rich guy scammed all these rich kids. And it's, like, that's really, that's, like, fun, short and florid. Like, you can watch it and, like, kind of, like, be lethal. That, like, yeah, you know, like, not that Billy is Robin Hood. But Robin, it's Robin Hood-esque. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like take from the poor, like take from the rich <laughs> and give to the poor, but that's not what happened. It was like scam everyone equally. Um, but yeah, so I do wish that it's more of a treatment with the Bahamian, the local Bahamian people. But um, yeah, like it, she had to dip into her savings. I really hope someone somewhere, you know, starts a GoFundMe and she get like gets her funds back. I hope she gets her funds back from Billy. I hope like she is like re- um compensated in some way. Um and additionally I do remember um one of the other guys who said that he like had like day laborers, people who were helping put up the tents like really last minute. 
he said that like some people like were ready to come for him, like putting out hits on him. Oh and yeah. That, that like hit me so hard because I'm like, you know what? Like I'm from, okay, I'm not from the islands. My heart and soul is from the islands. I was born here in New York, but like, I do always present like I'm from the islands. Anyways. <laughs> I, oh, it always falls apart when I say I hate the heat because then people are like, "Aren't you from an island?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> but like, I know, like people will put out hits and like do kidnappings for like just for breathing. So there were actual people in the Bahamas, like after this happened, who are like, "I'm going to put out hits and like kidnap all these people and get ransom because I need to get paid." And I was like, "Oh." my god it got real real it did meanwhile where was billy back Ah, in new york yep and he was the one that should have gotten the heat for this they should have kidnapped his ass for ransom (laughs) at that point he owed so much money yeah they probably like let him go (laughs) oh another thing that stood out which I believe it was in the Netflix documentary where one of the initial guys that was brought in to kind of like design like the whole layout of the festival, he did mention how when he created the initial layout, he said that the amount of people that had already booked a ticket, it was the island was too small for that. And with everything that Billy wanted to do, it was not going to work out. And he clearly said it. And then what happened to this guy? They just kicked him off the team. Why? Because Billy couldn't stand to hear no for an answer. I know. I remember hearing that. I was like, oh, my God. That's why earlier when I started, I said no one had the authority. Because there were people who were like, this is logistically impossible. And they would, like you said, get fired. Mm-hmm. And I think it also has to do with the the whole idea of, of the start of culture. Laid on me. I, I feel it coming. <laughs> they have this idea of like, okay, guys, we're a team. We're going to pull this up together. And later, we're just going to remember this time and see that we can like overcome anything. And when we set our mind, we can accomplish it. I already know that speech, Okay. I'm very mm-hmm. familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And that is the same shit that Billy would tell his whole entire crew. And just like in any startup, the way that they get you is with booze and a fun time. Booze and a fun time. And they're very willing to hire you and tell you that you're move up the ladder quickly, like right after you're, you graduate and you're like, this is my first full-time job. You know, I really want to, I don't like, I'm grateful. Like, this is what the system yeah. does to you. They already put you in a place where you feel indebted, not only literally indebted because you have student debt, but emotionally indebted because you're like, the economy is not all that great. And I have these skill sets and I'm like really educated. And I'm really grateful that these people took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. So they're understanding that and manipulating this like emotional, um, this emotional feeling that you're having 
towards them and then they pile on and be like we're a family or they will also make it seem like you're going to war together like we're brotherhood we're bonding or something like you know we're we're getting through an emergency together as if like we're all like trauma surgeons and like at the end of the day we save lives and like we can kick back and like we've been through this together like that's not you're building a platform it, like literally that's it Mm-hmm. Like that's it. There's nothing like grandiose or big or, um, you know, visionary about creating a platform exactly. for like other rich people to book rich people. Like what? Like they think that they're solving solving the world's biggest problem, and it's like no, calm down. Mm-hmm. The world can still continue without this thing. Another thing that I wanted to point out about the way that employees were treated, not only mm-hmm. on the island, but also people that were developing the platform for FIRE, yeah, was that when Ja Rule had the meeting with all of them, he mentioned how the employees weren't going to get paid anymore. Oh, yeah. But they weren't going to officially like lay them off, mm-hmm. which means that they couldn't apply for unemployment benefits. Yeah. And one of the employee, employees mentioned it. And he was like, he just like stood quiet. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it though was like, okay, Billy, Job Rule, and all of these higher ups that participated in this whole circus can easily go back to like their cushy homes and whatever and just figure out what the next thing would be. Meanwhile, all the employees were just like left in a limbo like from one day to another they went they had no job they couldn't apply for unemployment benefits so what the hell like you just left your employees like nothing like basically on the street and if you cling to the family you don't leave your family like that no yeah and that's why like it's really important. It's really, really, really important to understand, like, your boss is not your friend. Your colleagues are not your family. Like, it's great to have, like, good work-life balance and, like, good work culture, which I feel like people have completely perversed the word work culture to, like, really make you, like, brainwash you into thinking, like, my job is my life, which is, like, no, your job is an aspect of your life and it's a vehicle to help you keep living, living your life, you know, cause we live in a capitalist system and like money <laughs> drives everything. Like I said, yeah. we have to have money to freaking pay for water. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? So yeah, you do have to go up and get to go to work and participate in wage labor and like, you know, have a boss over you and whatnot. Um, but like the that like keep really it's really really important that like millennials keep that in mind and I feel like we were we that's very specifically obscure for our generation like people like wash that out that like no no work culture is great like you mm-hmm. want to work at a place where you never want to leave like I want to work in a place where there's no tension so like emotionally I can be productive but after that I'm like. When I clock out, I clock out. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yes. I clock in and I clock out. We're cool and we have other interests and we want to be friends outside of work. Great. But I'm not going into work to, like, to make friends. I'm going into work to collect, like, running my paycheck. 
<laughs> and that is how you create a good work-life balance. Exactly. You, you re- like you really, really need to compartmentalize. Like separation is so key. Like that's how you don't get caught up into this nonsense where you're like, "Wow, I live in an apartment in New York City, and I can't even apply for unemployment benefits because my." boss is literally holding my job hostage because they're the ones that are doing illegal shady stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's nonsense. If you work in the tech industry mm-hmm. and especially for people that are going to graduate soon, mm-hmm. I think that they should really watch these documentaries and understand mm-hmm. that this is sort of, this is the model of startups. And just be aware of yeah. how how they are managed, I guess. Yeah, it's very predatory. Yeah. Very predatory. And on one hand, it could seem cool, but then if you really look into, like, all the details of it, no. It benefits the company more than it mm-hmm. benefits you. Right, because at the end of the day, it's a business and it's going to make money yeah. with or without you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is why, like, I am really happy that, like, I don't know, I've been, I guess, like, blessed or very fortunate to be around people who have this, like, who probably, like, I think we've experienced exploitation in varying degrees as millennials and working in this, um, working in this um, kind of industry and, like, this, you know, how they're operating and this kind of how it's starting to shift, you know, from more manufacturing, more to like these specific niche kind of companies and programs and things like that. Yeah. It's really, I'm very fortunate to be around other people my age who like have reputation, have really felt the alienation, probably have gotten like into deep depressions because of this alienation and exploitation and could not really articulate and express like, why do they feel so terribly and it's like all tied to their financials and it's also tied to like how they feel when they go to work and things like that. I'm grateful though that, that we, I have a great group of friends, Karen included, um, <laughs> who understood that and understood that to like pull the wool over our eyes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even think the wool was fully over our eyes. We, but we were able to really not even get fully indoctrinated into this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I'm so fortunate because I see, um, like, like you said, we've been through many different companies and I've seen other companies where it's really the op, like they're very close to being a fire. <laughs> like they are, they really are into the mission of the company and like it's like protect the company at all costs kind of thing and like I do want to say obviously if you work at at a place and you are passionate about it and it's like what you studied and something you you want to do yeah I'm not saying don't enjoy your job I'm just saying you cannot (laughs) put a corporation or the vision of a corporation ahead of your material needs and like you yourself like that's how you get burnout that's how you get fraud that's how you get people label fraud you said that perfectly (laughs) 
Ooh, it just how do you feel emotionally after watching these documentaries and I told you to watch them back to back too because I did the same thing and I wanted you to be punished or maybe not you maybe didn't feel punished um I didn't feel punished a lot of the things that happened I they were relatable this this can't be what is like the new work culture like no right because it will it really takes a toll on you. And there were so many people in those interviews that they were like, oh, we would cry and we would only sleep for like four to two, four to four, uh, three to four hours. Mm-hmm. And so it just hit me and I was like, no, that is not okay. I just felt like it was a big eye opener and I realized like there are so many billies out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just have to be careful. Like know when to like literally clock out Mm -hmm. and stand up for what you don't believe is right. Mm -hmm. I felt, um, like I said, like I expressed earlier, I felt really grateful. That was like my first feeling was like, I like, I was watching, I'm like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I've never, like, I mean, one, I'm so happy. I grew up where I grew up because I knew, I knew this guy from the start. I knew this type. I went to high school with these types. <laughs> so I was like really grateful for that. Um, but then I was like really grateful. I was like, I'm so, so, so happy. Like I have like a good network to like commiserate with and to like talk about these kinds of things. Yeah. We went through the ringer and then, then I was starting to feel really terrible. Um, for I only really felt terrible for the laborers and people who really did put in um their effort into this and that was really sad. Um and I felt sad because there's so many conditions that were set in place that made this the perfect storm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And that's like a really sad reality to be like, wow, this is like how our world works. That like, there's a lot of things that could be set into place where people take advantage of others. Yeah, that, that, that's the upsetting part. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know what? Mm-hmm. I felt grateful in some sense because I am not that dumb <laughs> give someone like $25,000 out of nowhere because they promised me this out of world experience. Like if I yeah. don't see pictures or anything, I'm just like hesitant, you know, like, how are you going to give up so much money? Mm-hmm. Like who's that dumb? Yeah. So I'm yeah. thankful that I'm smarter than that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm no, I'm so serious. Like, I think there was a study that was done a couple of um, years ago, but it, like, says, like, people of a certain, or, like, if you've been able to achieve a certain amount of wealth, there's a correlation between how much money you have and how little empathy you might have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there probably needs to be more studies, and I will probably have to find it exactly to, like, quote it. But money really does rot your brain and I'm like this is also why I'm happy I'm broke because can you imagine being rich enough to think $25,000 is nothing to drop for three days can Mm -hmm. you imagine the kind like 
you're not $25,000 rich. You are more than $25,000 for like $25,000 to seem like a $25 thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like that is like wealth beyond my comprehension. Um, I hope I never have that kind of money because then that means I've stolen it. And I like was operating a sweatshop, Jeff Bezos. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do hope to be comfortable and have enough money to also help like family and other people so yeah. I'm not saying I don't want to be I'm not saying I want to be poor <laughs> but I just like I don't want to have that kind of wealth where like I really don't know what else to do with my money but to like drop $25,000 to go on an island to be around really shitty people exactly. no that's what I was gonna say use your wealth in in benefit you know mm-hmm. like help others and just Use it wisely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not, not throwing it away like this, these dumbass kids. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's like money and they're wealthy. But like also what like what are the parents instilling in them? Like who what parent is like, yeah, I'm gonna give you this much money? Because none of these people have this wealth on their own. No. Like, none of these children, they were children. <laughs> None of these children have this like on hand have twenty five grand. So like, what are what's your like? What are you as a parent instilling in your children and be like, yeah, absolutely, hop on a plane and go to the Bahamas, and like here's twenty five grand for a villa and for a yacht. Like, go crazy. What? Are you serious? Like, what is that? And um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's, like, that, but then it's, so it's, like, money, and it's also, like, this, like, really weird brain worm disease or whatever you want to call it. It's this, like, mentality that, like, you need to flaunt your wealth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why? Well, here's the thing, though, I, and they used a lot of keywords that mm-hmm. basically, like, just goes to their brains, and then it's, mm-hmm. like, they don't hear anything else. It's exclusive once-in-a-lifetime experience, all these hot people, yachts, villas. Like, they said the keywords to mm-hmm. attract that type of audience. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's all they saw and all they heard, and mm-hmm. they really didn't look into the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. I bet you no one even Googled this freaking island. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, a few people said on the documentaries, if you Google this island you would realize that there's really, like you said, there's no plumbing. So Mm -hmm. how the hell was it going to happen? So all they said was like, okay, here's my credit card. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for this like once in a lifetime experience, ready to Mm -hmm. flaunt it on Instagram and make everyone like FOMO because Mm -hmm. they can't afford to be here. I think like that was, that's, why they were like so stupid to drop so much money mm-hmm. yeah it's just like if i really was popping like that you would you would see the results of like my bank account on my face because i would really like we all have our <laughs> things we want to splurge on and it would just like would be skincare you know what i'm saying like i want the i have the nicest skin and that's it like I'm not taking pictures out here in yachts and I'm gonna be like look at what I'm doing I'm in San Tropez and then I'm in Bali I'm like I don't even like that kind of weather so (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, like I was watching this, I was like, they're all so stupid. I don't care about any of this. Who are they demographic? That's all that they do. If you look at probably like all these kids' Instagrams, that's all they do. Posting about how they're here Mm -hmm. in their amazing like jacuzzi or Mm -hmm. like in some foreign islands. Yeah. 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 So they definitely were not marketing to me. No, that's why yeah. we didn't hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Because our income did not hit their their um, demographic. <laughs> I think it's I think it's um I think it's good that at least culturally we're at least having a d- discussion about influencer culture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true for sure. Um I don't foresee like any major changes. Um I do feel like maybe personally, anecdotally, like a lot of my friends don't care about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like our priorities are different and like, yep, we like traveling and we'll post like one or two things, but like our whole, like our whole thing is not to like create like that kind of like aesthetic that's solely tied to wealth and exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I just feel like you know it's good to have this conversation but I'm like I still don't get like how so many people are wrapped into this kind of lifestyle or want to have that kind of lifestyle because personally I'm like that's stupid thank you for listening to our bonus episode Mm -hmm. let us know via Instagram or Twitter what your thoughts are we've been seeing a lot of tweets about these two documentaries Mm mm-hmm so feel free to send us your thoughts and we would gladly discuss this again. <laughs> yeah, we will. There's, I probably like there's so many other things. If we went back and took notes, we'd be like, oh, there's something we miss and we have to talk about it. There's just so many levels to this story. This alone would be like a three part series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Rate us and subscribe. Bye. This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media.